Hey ladies, welcome back to the Woman Podcast. My name is Katie Bizet and I'm your host. And today you are listening to the third episode in a three-part series we've been doing on mental health. So the first two episodes were so good. We spoke with Deetra Clark on the first one, Amanda Manley on the second one. Both episodes are so full of such good wisdom and practical information. So I encourage you to go back and listen to those. But for today, we are talking on the phone with Renee Fouts. And Renee and her husband, Nick, they are... Um, they do ministry together. They run a ministry called Cedar Rock Ministries based out of Searcy, Arkansas. And they do these retreats. They do counseling. Um, Renee herself is a spiritual director, so she meets regularly with people and gives direction, really just focused around their spiritual well-being, their spiritual growth. Um, so both of them are just super cool, but we get to talk with Renee today. So I wanted to have her on because I knew that we would all just grow from being able to talk to her. So we are going to jump right into the phone call and we'll see you back. Bye. Hey, Renee, thanks so much for calling. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you so much. I feel very honored and excited and just so happy to be with you today. Yeah, we're, we're excited to talk to you. You know, I um, introduced you a little bit in the introduction, but, you know, Hunter and I met you and Nick just about a year ago, and um, we just loved getting to know you. And I'll tell, I'll share a little bit more of that later on as we talk, but I would just love it real quick if you would just introduce yourself, tell the ladies who are listening, like, who you are, what you do, about your family, all the things. Okay, sounds good. Um, I am Renee Fouts, married to Nick, and we have been married for almost 25 years. Um, wow. We met at Harding University, Woohoo! and um, we have four children, a boy who is 23, and then three girls that follow, 21, 19, and 16. Wow. And um, when I went uh, when I was in high school, I went to Brazil, and for some reason, while I was painting an orphanage in Brazil, I felt like I heard the Lord say, you are to move to Africa. Wow. And so that was kind of a crazy, crazy moment. And so I chose Harding University because of their missions program, mm -hmm. and that's where I met Nick in missions classes, and um, we started a friendship and obviously ended up in marriage. And then we ended up, um, well, he got his master's in marriage and family therapy. And mm -hmm. then after that, we headed to Uganda, East Africa for 10 years. Wow. And yeah. So that was quite a journey. Um, our son was six weeks old when we left and then our three daughters were born over there. Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine such a different lifestyle you know like which I know that's when we hung out with you guys you shared a lot about just um you guys were missionaries over there for 10 years and when God called you back it was such an adjustment moving back to the United States and um even that was something that God used to kind of like spark the next season of your life and so 
do you mind kind of going into that a little bit and then share about what you guys do now? Yeah, that's so great. So yeah, when we got back, um, we had been um, in a very different culture and uh, that culture had a definitely different pace than um, America. And so when we got back, uh, I had this feeling of the way I describe it is that I was wa- I was on a um, very busy highway and all the cars were going crazy fast beside me. And I was just trying to wave them down and saying, wait, where are you going? Why are you moving so fast? And everyone just said, I don't know, but that's what everyone else is doing. Wow. And um, I just was very intrigued with the condition of people's hearts. Um, I felt like people were exhausted, um, kind of numbed out or mm-hmm. um, a lot of distance in relationships and mm-hmm. discouragement. And I just was taken back, honestly, by the the condition of people's hearts. And it saddened Nick and I very much. And we tried to figure out, okay, how are we going to live in this pace? And we realized quickly that we couldn't, without sacrificing some really important um, relationships in our lives, right. being a relationship with God, a relationship with ourselves, a relationship with each other and our children. And so we had to kind of figure out, okay, who are we here in America? And then that ended up to be um, a long story made short. We started thinking, I think we need to get people away. Mm-hmm. And this, this lunch times or just having people over for dinner was wonderful and very needed. But we really felt like God put a mission on our lives to say, let's get people away so that they can taste what it's like and experience what it's like to slow down. Mm -hmm. And so we actually started a retreat ministry and it's called Cedar Rock Ministries. And that's what we do now full time. It's a nonprofit Mm -hmm. and that's what we do. We have retreats. And um, before COVID, we had small group retreats where it was three to four couples. Um, But right now um, for the year of 21, we are just doing one couple retreats where couples come for, uh, three nights and we meet with them for about 15 hours and just give them time to be with themselves and give them time to rest and receive. And then we are actually with them um, doing spiritual direction and counseling um, for about, well, yeah, about 12 hours of that time. Yeah. And that's what you experienced. Yes. So, I mean, honestly, it was such a random but yet such a God thing. Like I I guess about a year ago, Hunter and I, Hunter was having just some health issues and, you know, I had just been praying like, Lord, point us in the right direction. What do we need? And he definitely connected us with the right doctors, but just the timing of that, someone literally called me on a Wednesday and I think we, the retreat start on what, Thursday? No, the retreat starts on Wednesday, so I think someone called you on Tuesday. Okay, yeah. So someone know. someone called on a Tuesday, and they described the retreat, and they said we were supposed to go, and we can't. Do you guys want to go in our place? And we just said <laughs> sure. And I mean, we had no idea we what we were getting into. We didn't know what it was going to look like. We packed our bag and brought our little ice chest of food, and um, <laughs> I mean, just the the amount of time that we spent with you guys, just hanging out and talking and hearing your story and you guys listening to us and mentoring us and pastoring us really. I mean, it was just, 
we didn't know we needed it, but it was incredible. And honestly, when I look back on the last year, it was a, it was a true turning point for us because I think we realized that, um, we realized that the pace that we were keeping was just not necessarily healthy. And so you guys really taught us a lot in that short amount of time. And it was pivotal for Hunter and I. And so we loved our time with you guys. And we've pointed a lot of people in your direction since then. And um, I really, I wanted to have you on the podcast because I feel like what you taught us, what you and Nick taught us was so great and life changing. And so I'm like, can we just talk about it? You know, so. Yeah, well, and we understand exactly what you went through because that's, we did that once we had gone to, we were in Uganda for about five years and we went to a retreat. Um, and that's honestly the whole reason we started Cedar Rock because we went to a retreat in Colorado Springs that ministers to ministers. Yeah. And it was called Sunscape Ministries. And we, that is one of our pivotal moments in life because we, even in Uganda, we realized we, uh, we realized through this retreat that we weren't doing our own soul care very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's important for ministers, but I think it's, it's really, it just is almost everyone we meet, whether, no matter what vocation we are in, we have a difficult time taking care of ourselves and thinking that it's important. Mm-hmm. And I think that that verse, you know, love your neighbor, he could have stopped there. Love your neighbor, period. Mm -hmm. But it really does say love your neighbor as yourselves. And we have just found um, the more that we learn how to care for our own bodies, our own souls, give ourselves space, give ourselves margin, um, rest and receiving uh, time to rest and receive from the Lord. Mm -hmm. We have found that we are able to love so much better Mm -hmm. um, than giving out fumes. We are, we're able to offer fire, you know? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit when we were texting back and forth before our phone call, but you know, this is the third part in like a little mental health series. And so we've talked with somebody who is a, um, like medical professional about just physical health and how the way we treat our bodies impacts our mental health, what we put in our body, what we do in terms of exercise and rest, just all of those things still impact our mental health. And then yesterday I talked with Deetra Clark, who you may know she, um, in her husband, yeah, she used to go to New Life. They moved to Minnesota. Um, she was a licensed Christian therapist. I don't know. I never know the yeah. words to say. But um, so we just talked to her about like the <clears throat> more like just mental health from the standpoint of, um, I guess Nick's standpoint, like actually a therapist. And then the thing that I wanted to talk to you about was more just how the way our spiritual health and our rest and all of that impacts our, our mental health and our well-being. And so I guess the question I wanted to ask is like, when you think about mental health, like from your vantage point as someone who's a spiritual director, like how do you define mental health? How do you look for it in a person? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you could talk about that for so long from so many angles. I'm really glad you, you know, talked to about the what you put in your body, what you eat, how you exercise, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to do my little, little, little sliver, which 
you know, all of it is so important. I think what I would say for me and in our spiritual world, I think it's so important that we learn how to receive. I think that we, um, and I have been on this journey, I am on this journey, but it's incredibly important to slow down enough to where we are, we keep ourselves in positions where we can rest and receive. Mm-hmm. And whatever that looks like, it could look like that you're on a walk and you're just, you're, it's, it's, you're just giving yourself time to just in silence. Um, mental health is where you have space to process. Mm. You have um, the ability to talk about your fears or acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to, and time to say, okay, what do I need? Or when you have a strong emotion like anger, that's one of mine first that I always go to Mm -hmm. in times of stress. When I have that anger, that I'm living a life that says, okay, what is this anger trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. Instead of reacting, I'm responding to it. I'm paying attention to it. It's giving me a signal that says, most of the time, I have a need that I'm ignoring. Mm-hmm. Or I have a fear that I'm not paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of things. Does that feel like it answered your question at yeah, all? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that also I'd like to say we are... Um, we're so hard on ourselves. <laughs> I I have just lived a journey of condemnation and thinking that I was never doing enough for God and he mm-hmm. was displeased with me. And so I think that as we grow in our spiritual health, we understand more of his love for us, mm-hmm. um, his kindness towards us. And then somehow, embracing kindness to ourselves. I think that's one of the hardest journeys. It's so easy for us as women to be kind to others, mm-hmm. but it's, I think it's really difficult to be kind to ourselves. And what can we do to practice not doing the shoulds on ourselves or not the condemnation, not mm-hmm. the lies, mm-hmm. but practicing grace for ourselves and kindness. Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge, huge need for us as women. Yeah, that's really good. So to kind of go a little further down that train of thought, like when with you, like what have you learned in terms of how to practice kindness with yourself and how to, um, you know, like what does that look like mentally? Like how are you thinking when you are practicing kindness with yourself? Can you kind of spell that out a little more? Yeah, um, you know, you could talk about, this, these kind of things for so long. So I'm trying to think of how to best sum it up quickly. Um, one of the ways that I, that I practice kindness to myself is gracing myself um, with rest and knowing that I have my limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's scheduling my life so that I'm not going from one thing to the next. Gotcha. I have margin in there. I have transition time. Mm-hmm. I have purpose in my schedule so that I can, I can, I just have time to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's hard. I mean, depending on what season we're in, you know, when my kids are in volleyball season, it's harder <laughs> than in the summer. There's a little bit more time. Right. But, um, or when I have a strong emotion, 
then I am kind to myself by saying, again, just asking myself, what is this trying to say? Instead of judging it, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm freaking crazy <laughs> or I'm a hot mess. No, I don't use those words anymore because those were unkind. Um, I just so say, good. okay, what, what do I need? And knowing the difference between being needy and having needs was a huge transition point for me. Okay. I thought that any need meant that I was needy. And that's not actually true. I'm mm-hmm. a human being and I'm a woman who is who gives a lot. Um, and I was getting lost in that giving and not really understanding that my body was reacting with emotions, heightened emotions and reactions that were actually saying, you have gone beyond your limitations. You need to come back and care for your own body and soul. That's so good. I started coughing when you were talking. No, that's fine. Does that answer some of your questions about how I, I really try not to Um, I really try to pay attention to my narrative of myself. Like, am I being harsh to myself? Would I say this to someone else? Yeah, no, that right there. That's like so good because I just think it's easy and maybe almost just comfortable for women to talk about themselves in a negative way. But like, but like in just the, like what you said, I'm a hot mess. I'm so needy. Yeah. I'm so emotional. <clears throat> and it's like we say it lightheartedly, but yeah. yet you're right. It's it's like you're not being kind to yourself. Would right. you say this to someone else's face? So Right. That's yeah. really good. So you try to practice just even the thoughts in your mind. I'm I feel like I'm really careful about that with the way I think about Hunter. Like I've always thought I'm not going to just let myself stew on negativity you know like if something goes wrong I'm not gonna like think about him and be like you're so blah 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 but I wouldn't say I'm great about that with myself so that's a good that's a good point to chew on I like that yeah yeah it's very powerful and I I really think that um once I did some EFT training emotionally focused therapy and in that, the one of the instructors got really close to me and uncomfortably close. And she was doing a, a little bit of um, my own work, helping me do my own work. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to myself and you know, she could hear my narrative of myself. And she got real close and she said, um, would you ever say that to little Renee? Mm. And... Um, so she did some work with me to actually get me to think about little Renee and it broke my heart because I wouldn't have, there Mm -hmm. was, you know, there is this little sweet girl who's trying to figure out life and she's doing the best she can. And I wouldn't have ever scolded her. I wouldn't have shamed her, but I was truly being very abusive to her, um, in the way that I was talking to myself. And so that was actually a very that was a pivotal moment for mm-hmm. my self-talk mm-hmm. when I realized, well, Renee is still in there and she really does still have needs. She, mm-hmm. she needs to be cared for. She needs to be paid attention to. Um, and she still needs love and that's okay. And um, she's working on her redemption story and she's truly doing the best she can. Mm-hmm. But um, 
But, so I really do. I try to pay attention to little Renee. I ask her, you know, what do you need? What do you, what are you aware of mm-hmm. thinking and feeling? And just little things like that that just help me be kind to myself. Again, I'm mm-hmm. coming from a long history of being very, very abusive to myself mm-hmm. and and mean and ugly to myself. Mm-hmm. So those are little little yeah, things that I no, do. That's wonderful. That's so practical. I'm glad that you talked about that. Um, I remember when we left. You guys sent us an email that was like, hey, just as some follow-up, you might enjoy these books. And one of the books that you, one of the things we talked about a lot was just rest and taking, like observing the Sabbath. And for some reason that felt a little foreign to Hunter and I. <laughs> I hate yes. to admit it. Um, no, you know, yeah. like we, yeah, we took a day off, but I wouldn't necessarily say we observe the Sabbath. And so um one of the books that you guys recommended to us was the John Mark Comer book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And probably yeah. some of my best friends are li- going to be listening to this and rolling their eyes because I talk about this book <laughs> way too much. <laughs> but like I've recommended it to probably everyone I know because I'm just like, guys, we we need to read this. We need to yeah. assess like our pace and what would Jesus's pace have been? How would he have walked this earth? And I just, I learned so much from that book and I'm so thankful that you guys turned us on to it. But I guess what I wanted to uh, ask you about was just the subject of rest and Sabbath and like, how did you guys learn this other than, I mean, is it just, you learned it from the Bible and you know, you guys are so good at teaching that. No, that's so great. Well, it's funny that you say that because I, um, when I first came upon Sabbath, um, it was in that retreat that we did when we had already been in Uganda for five years and they taught some, you know, they encouraged us to have a Sabbath. And so uh, my first experience of it was horrible. I hated Sabbath. I hated <laughs> it. I, I mean, I just, I didn't like the word. I didn't like the expectation. I felt like I did not understand what I was supposed to be doing. I did not enjoy just sitting on a couch. It was no fun for me. So I went through a total rejection of Sabbath when it first came to me. Mm-hmm. And then my dear, dear husband, who um, was pretty convicted that it was something that we really needed to keep practicing, uh, he kept on encouraging us and saying, come on, we've got to keep trying this. So I would be like, okay, I will do this for two hours. <laughs> oh and then gosh. the next week I was like, I'll do it for four. But, um, but anyway, and then I just kept on reading and listening and, and practicing and getting to the point where I understood this is a day I was really trying to do it. So like, please God, you know, like, Oh, what does this mean? And I was trying, I, I had so many expectations of myself of what it should be and what it should look like that I was, failing and that's why I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got to the point where it, this is just a practice of slowing down mm-hmm. and it's a, and it's a receiving time and it's a refueling time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, okay, I can do that. So I, that's what we do on Sabbath. What feels rejuvenating? Mm-hmm. What feels less? What uh, anything that feels like a should or I have to, that does not happen on the Sabbath at all. That's good. It's released. Yeah. And it's just about delight, things that I delight in. And that's what we do. We often, very often take a nap on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And um, we just do 
really simple meals, if not go out or order in, you know, everything is just simple and easy and nothing that has to be done happens on the Sabbath. Nothing. Mm. I mean, to the point where my daughters, uh, you know, well, not daughters, but one of my daughters will say, mom, I really need to talk about the plan for this. You know, I'm getting stressed out or whatever. And I'll say, and they know this, they'll say, well, it's fine, but we're going to talk about it at five, mm-hmm. not, not before then. So like we take a, we take a rest from even planning because in life there's a lot of planning, but on Sabbath, I don't plan because mm-hmm. I don't like to plan and I need a break from planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's a good one. I feel like if anything, it's just taught Hunter and I that there's a day, right? Just like what you said, we don't put anything on the calendar. We don't, Yeah. if it's something we love and enjoy. So I guess, let me back up a second for anyone that's listening that maybe is like, what is a Sabbath? Can we just define that real quick, Renee? Yeah. Um, well, I would like to hear how you say it. I mean, I say it's a day of rest. Yeah. Is that, is that, what, is that, are you, um, is that sufficient or do you want me to add on? <laughs> that is the scriptural <laughs> definition of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, it is in the Ten Commandments. So it's something that God says that he commands us to do that we don't often observe. Um, and man, I just thought. I guess I just thought it was optional or I just thought it was like taking a day off of work, but yet that's the day I do all my errands. And I guess when I just realized it was a day to truly rest and do things that like you, that fill you up, it just kind of was a game changer. And it's really given us energy for the other six days of the week. Yes. Oh, yes. It literally is a game changer. Don't you think it is? Oh. I mean, it's been amazing. It, it, to me, like, one of the things I say about Sabbath is, you know, in the Bible, you read all these miracles of healing, and you kind of look around and go, well, why doesn't that happen in that way as much anymore, at least in my circles? But I think that Sabbath is one of the most healing days where I feel exhausted. I'm so done by the time we start Sabbath. And then within 24 hours, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm good. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm refreshed. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it feels like it is just an amazing time of replenishing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and I, I do think it's powerful. Um, like when I think about what can happen in 24 hours, I'm always like, oh, I don't think it's going to work this time, but it really does. Yeah. It really works. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so when we talk about, I mean, the whole kind of focus of this episode is like how does rest and Sabbath and all of that affect our mental health? Like for Hunter and I, it's been incredible. It's like you have a day to look forward to where you have a reprieve from the crazy intensity of life. And it's just taught us to, that there's a day when we really do get to have a mental break. And so it's recharged us, refueled us. Um, I don't know. It feels like we've gotten in step with like a better rhythm and the way that that's helped mental health in the two of us has been amazing. And so if you are listening to this and you maybe don't, observe a Sabbath in your day-to-day life, or I guess I should say week-to-week life, I would just challenge you to pick a day of the week where you truly can 
separate yourself, step away, turn things off, not be busy. Um, and then I would ask Renee, um, just from your perspective, I know you coach a lot of people um, and you're constantly teaching people how to change their lifestyle to be a little bit more in step with the Holy Spirit. Like, um, how do you teach people to slow down? Like, obviously we're talking about the Sabbath. That's one day where we slow down, but just overall, you know, I think we tend as Americans, we tend to take so much pride in being booked up and our schedules being busy. And it's like, how do you help change that mindset? Yeah. I mean, I had that mindset too. And <laughs> but you- I think one of the things that was so helpful for me, well, I'll say a few. I love, love, love the term, and we use this all the time in life. It is a practical term that we, just, it comes up in our everyday life. Um, the term holy subtraction. Okay. And so there is just no possible way that I can be healthy unless I keep that concept before me because there's so, 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 so many people I want to be with and there's so many needs and there's so many amazing opportunities, Mm -hmm. but I have to keep the energy of holy subtraction before me because I cannot do it all. Mm -hmm. So we look at our list and I say, okay, what is, what are we going to holy subtract? We look at our kids' schedules. We look at what they want to do, um, the extras that they are asking to do. And we'll say, we, you know, we just can't. Mm-hmm. We've decided different things for our kids for sports. Like if they had, if that this certain club met on Sundays, then we would say, no, we're not doing that because that'll, that, that takes away our day of rest. Mm-hmm. So there's been some awkward times. There's been some disappointing times, but I think that our children are pretty convinced and pretty, um, uh, in love with Sabbath at sometimes it's, you know, like a drag, of course, but they really appreciate it. I know mm-hmm. when our son first left, I don't know if he is right now, but he was in a regular routine of doing his own Sabbath. And that was after he'd moved out on his own. Mm-hmm. He believes in it so mm-hmm. much. Um, our daughter, she's 21. She's out on her own. And every Sunday she turns off her phone all day long until the evening because she's so convinced and so in love with that space for her. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to give it up even when they leave the home, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so holy subtraction is just a, it's an ever present um, practice that we do. And the way that we do that is we'll say, if we say yes to this, what are we saying no to? Mm-hmm. And just making sure that every, we understand that it all has an exchange. Time is, is, Time is time. It doesn't change. And so, um, and then if we say no to this, what are we saying yes to? Mm -hmm. Those two questions really help us discern what to say yes to and what to say no to. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just one of the simple practices of how to slow down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, we, We put margin in. So, like, even if we go on vacation, We'll come home on Saturday instead of Sunday so that we have given our children and ourselves a day 
to get themselves together, get their laundry done, get ourselves prepared for the week so mm-hmm. that we actually have Sabbath before we actually engage on Monday. Mm-hmm. So little things like that that we've just adjusted over time and just realized, oh, those margins, those transitions are so important. So important. Yeah. No. We actually. We actually did it even this, my kid, my daughters were in a wedding. One of my daughters was in a wedding and the other two were helping. And they, um, it was on Friday mm-hmm. and we looked at that and said, okay, then they could leave for their camp on Saturday. And then we were like, nope, that doesn't go with how we do things. And so we asked the camp, are you okay if, if they fly out on Monday? And so they did. They flew out on Monday. And I'm telling you, I can't even imagine if they had to fly out on Saturday, right. it would have been a disaster, but we right. gave them time to do their laundry. They got some extra rest. They all took naps on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were very fresh and very ready to go by Monday. Very peaceful. That's so good. Very practical. I need to implement these things in my life. <laughs> it's a, it's a learning curve for all of us. I know. I'm feeling like things I really am. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, we've been at it a year now, just even implementing the things that you guys taught us. And it is, it's a learning curve and you are constantly seeing kind of how you could, um, I don't know, steward your time a little bit better and not be so rushed for everything and fill our schedules. And yeah. Um, okay. So what were you going to say? Sorry, did I cut you off? I just loved it when I learned um, how someone described Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, what word would you use? I think it was Dallas Willard. I don't know if anyone knows him, but yeah, he was a theologian. Yeah. And, um, and he said, he got real quiet and thought about it. And he said, Jesus was relaxed. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness. It was so powerful for me because I was thinking righteous, loving, kind, you know, mm-hmm. good, whatever, all these healer um all these words but when i thought about that i thought yes he did not go with the expectations of other people mm-hmm. he was he just care seemed to carry a relaxed sense of i'm gonna do what i see my father doing and say what i hear my father saying and it's all gonna be okay mm-hmm. and i'm i'm trying to get into that space more and more mm-hmm. um another three words i think this was john mark Comer, but i'm not sure my husband is the concordant so he always knows who it comes by i just remember what the concept but he um i think it's john mark Comer, which says you remove yourself from work worry and want on sabbath mm-hmm. and so just these little things that have helped me kind of get my mindset mm-hmm. around what this what this actually is mm-hmm. so, anyway that's good i think that is john mark comer remove okay. yourself because <laughs> that sounds familiar and i don't you know it would have been him if it sounds familiar to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, um okay so you know when you you are by trade what you do you're a spiritual director yeah and before meeting you guys i had really never heard that term before so can you like summarize what that means and what what you do yeah i actually um feel sad that it, it the term is what it is but hey that's i can't that it's not it. as well known or what well no not that it's, i don't like the word director it oh, gotcha. sounds so like oh sounds harsh or something but I, because 
I don't feel like I'm directing a person. So spiritual direction is basically just helping someone become more aware of what God is up to in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, helping them come into deeper places of freedom, peace, and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not directing a person necessarily, but in session, what I'm trying to do is to help be a guide. So I am trying my absolute best and in my gifting and hopefully in submission and love to remain attentive to the spirit mm-hmm. and to help them um, slow down in order to help them to um, experience what the spirit is saying to them. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I can have a lot of emotions. And when we have disorganized emotions, we can get into paralysis mm-hmm. really quickly where we just don't even know how to make any decisions and because it, it all feels very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So spiritual direction is taking those emotions, what you're most aware of thinking and feeling, and slowing them down. And by me just asking questions and then the person evaluating, does that question feel like it's hitting on something in you or does it, does it feel powerful or not? Mm-hmm. And that's how we kind of know it's a, it's a, it's an hour of discernment gotcha. where, um, people are discovering hopefully more peace and more of what God is actually trying, how God, how God is guiding them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I'm a guide to that. Does mm-hmm. that help? No, yeah, that's great. I just remember being so intrigued by that, like that's what you do. I thought, wow, that's so cool. Like I've just never heard that before. And then you guys recommended the Eugene Peterson book to me. And one of the things that he talks about, it was the book about pastoral ministry, working the angles. And one of the things he talked about was just at the core of being a pastor, our, our roles are prayer, attending to scripture and giving spiritual direction. And that's where I was like, Oh, okay. All right. Spiritual director. I kind of put the pieces (laughs) together. So Yeah. yeah. Which I and I meet with a spiritual director once a month. That's one of my rhythms. Um, my husband does too. We meet with the same one, but we just meet at separate times. And so, yeah, that is a way that we have said it is um, where we tend to our own our own needs and our own soul care. So, um, yeah, we love it. I also love giving it. Um, yeah. I love offering it. Um, so we think it's a beautiful, anytime that someone says, Hey, I did a spiritual direction session appointment. I'm like, Ooh, so exciting. Yeah. How was it? I get so excited when people do it. That's um, awesome. I know that Emily P. Freeman, she did, uh, she has a podcast and she did on episode 167. She said she has an episode that's called spiritual direction for beginners. Mm-hmm. And then it on her number 178. Um, I wrote this down so I could remember it says how to find a spiritual director. And I thought she did an excellent job. Her cool. podcast is called the next right thing. Yeah. And so if you, if anyone on this podcast is listening right now, wants to find out more information, um, I thought that was a really great way of introducing it and yeah. knowing what next steps can take. If you want to find someone yes. to be able to direct you. Very cool. Thanks for Thanks for looking that up and writing it down so that you had that for us. Yeah. Definitely appreciate it. Um, 
Well, I don't want to go too long, Renee. Um, I feel like we've covered a lot. I can edit this little portion of our combo out, but is there anything else that you feel like we should cover that we haven't covered? Oh, good question. Like anything Let else me, that's brewing on your heart? Um, I don't think so. I'm going to pause and see. No, I really don't. I don't have anything. Okay. I felt the same way. Just, I think we're, we covered a lot and I think it's practical and will help people. So. Yeah. Is there anything that you want me to clarify or do you feel peace about it? No, I feel great. I think it's very good. Um, Okay. I think you guys have such a cool story. And so I'm very glad that people get to know you and um, who you are and what you do. And, um, as we close, Renee, do you mind to pray over the women who are listening just about, I guess, the topic that we've talked about today, Sabbath and rest? I would love to. Okay. Love to. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Father, um, thank you for being a guide, our shepherd, our goodness giver, our comforter. Thank you for all of the ladies that are listening right now. I, I can't imagine how proud you are of them, no matter what they've been through, no matter where they are right now. I just sense that you're just, oh, your love must be so, so big for them. Lord, why is it that sometimes we just can't feel it? for ourselves Father may all of us live lives of receiving of giving ourselves permission to rest because you even did it yourself you had to go away to quiet places and I don't know why we never hear in our spirit that it's time to rest. We don't hear you saying that. I think often we, we hear and conjure up words that say you're not doing enough. You're not enough. You need to go do more. And yet the more I get to know you, Lord, the more I realize you're just asking us to come and sit and be with you. You want to talk to us. You want to guide us. You want you want to lighten our load. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that more and more. That, that statement, Father, is from your heart, and you continue to invite us into that place every single moment of every day. Mm-hmm. Father, I pray that the next time that that we as women feel angry or overwhelmed or that we want to hide, whatever it is, Father, that we do not have more condemnation on ourselves, but that we will be transformed into curiosity about our own story, about our own needs, that we will not judge ourselves harshly, but that we will be kind 
to ourselves. And we will learn and be diligent about learning how to receive and rest and therefore live as relaxed people on this earth who really do love well. Lord, I love women. I know you do too. Thank you so much for making us female image bearers. We have so much to offer this world. And yet, I think you say so much to us. Receive first, rest first, and then I can release amazing things out of you. Mm -hmm. May we not get the order out of order. Yes. And thank you so much for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. My goodness. I'm sure there are women listening in their car or by themselves right now that are very encouraged. Well, oh, thank you, Katie. Blessings to everyone listening. Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Woman Podcast. We'll put information in our little podcast description down below of how you can um, check out more of what Nick and Renee do. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye.